0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope. My name is Carrie, and for those who don't know me, I am part of the teaching team here at Hope, and really excited to be celebrating this Advent season with my church family, with you guys. And I honestly have to say that I had so much fun last week helping to uh, deliver these bags to those of you who stopped by, Um, and I hope you were able to pick up um, one of the, the gift bags for our Unexpected Advent series. We are gonna be opening a new bag each week of this series. So I will be opening this later and I'll explain more of what to do with what's in your bag. So if you want to open it with me later, then go now and find your bag and have it ready. Uh, But you're also welcome to do that on your own, maybe with your family at a a time that works for you guys, um, however that looks. So either way, we're excited that you can be part of this with us and just that we can celebrate this season together. And this week, I'm going to be talking about hope, and the message is called Holding Space for Hope. And as we go through this series, uh, Tom and I are going to be kind of taking turns teaching and hopefully helping helping us look at the unexpected parts of the story. Sometimes it may be an unexpected person in the Christmas story, or an unexpected verse, or maybe it's just a perspective shift that we're going to see what God's doing in unexpected ways. Um, but recognizing God's hand and his faithfulness and his goodness, even in the unexpected. Um, And one thing I've actually noticed that I want to pull out in in this message a little bit is I'm realizing how much of our circumstances and the, the journey that we're going through right now shapes the way that we read the Bible and in fact shapes the way that I think God speaks to us. Through verses and through the Bible at different times in our lives, um, and so it's been fascinating to me to read the Christmas story with the backdrop of COVID and thinking through quarantine and thinking through um, all the things that we've been going through as as a um, as a families and communities, and it's given me kind of a different uh, texture, a different richness to the story than I than I read before. Um, so, on that note, I, I'm going to be jumping into Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26 through 38. We're going to be reading about Mary's story. And I would really challenge you I'm not able to read this whole chapter today during the message, but I would challenge you to read Luke chapter 1 at some point this week on your own um, for a couple reasons. First, it kind of gives you a greater context to the story, it allows you to really pick up on the details that I may have to pass over. Um, but it also gives, gives God an opportunity to speak into your heart um, in a way that, um, that really resonates with you in this season. Um, so I encourage you just to, to take some time this week and see what God might have to say to you that I might miss in my reading um, that, that maybe he wants you to know this week. So Luke chapter 1 verse 26 through 38, we're going to jump into Mary's story. Um, so this is a pretty amazing moment. And I know we've heard this story maybe many times. um, But again, it's interesting in light of even, even the quarantine and thinking back from my own experience recently, um, this, this was an unexpected visitation, right? Um, Early on in quarantine, I I was not going anywhere. We were not having people over our house. And I remember getting a little like jumpy just when, uh, you know, the Amazon package person would come and, and leave a package at the door. And suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, who's here? What are they doing? Why are they here? Maybe, I should be wearing something other than sweatpants. I don't know. Um, and so it was startling. It was, it was a jarring experience. And so I, in, in a very, very small way, I feel like that's just a taste of how Mary must have felt when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she gets this visit from an angel. Um, but not only is, is the presence of the angel unexpected, but his, his message to her is surprising, is overwhelming. Um, he says she's going to be the mother of God's son and and that and that he's going to to create this life in her through the holy spirit that she is literally going to be holding space for hope within herself that god is going to be growing the hope of the world inside of her womb and it's this is this beautiful amazing message that he's telling her but but you have to understand she's she's a young teenage girl at the time um, Scholars believe that Mary may have been anywhere between, like, possibly as young as 12, um, up to maybe age 16. So she was, she was very young at the time that she's getting this message. Um, and as exciting as it is, it was also incredibly overwhelming. And so she naturally has some questions. And the angel gives her a little bit of, a little answers, a little context, um, but then, but then the angel seems to switch gears and he starts talking about Elizabeth and he starts talking about Elizabeth having a baby and I, at first glance, it almost seems like it's um, an unrelated topic. Like, why is, why is the angel talking about Elizabeth? And if I were Mary, I might've been sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, great. You know, we can catch up about my relatives later, but I would like to know a little more about this thing you're telling me about me being moms, the mom of, of God's son. Um, yeah, I would like some more details about me right now. Thank you. Um, But I think there was something really significant about the angel telling Mary about Elizabeth. And so I think it's important for us to go back and let's look at Elizabeth's story and find out why the angel is connecting Mary's story to Elizabeth's. So if we jump back into Luke 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Uh, So a quick note here. They were both descendants of Aaron. Um, If you remember Aaron was the brother of Moses in the Old Testament. Moses was the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He led them in the wilderness. Uh, But God chose Moses' brother Aaron um, and Aaron's descendants to be a priesthood. And they would offer sacrifices before God on behalf of the people, and they would minister before the Lord. And so here we have all these centuries later, um, the descendants of Aaron were still carrying out Uh, The duties of the priest. And so Zechariah was a priest and it was his division's turn to serve before the Lord. And he was chosen on this particular um, day to go in and burn incense in the temple before the Lord. So Zechariah goes into the temple to burn incense. And while he's there, he, like Mary, gets a visit from an angel. And the angel tells him a very similar story. He says, "Um, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers and he's answering them. And your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son and you're to name him John. And you would know John as perhaps John the Baptist. And he's the one that eventually, um, he's, you know, the crazy guy who has like wears camel skin and eats locusts in the wilderness. Um, But he starts telling people about the coming kingdom of God and he baptizes people and um, he really does prepare the way. He prepares the way for Jesus and his ministry, which is to come. And um, so this is an incredible uh, prophecy. This is an incredible moment that, that the angel would be telling Zechariah about this little baby that's going to be born. But unlike Mary, Zechariah sort of doubts. He doubts the angel's message. And he says, you know, how is this? going? You know, don't, I don't really know how this is going to happen. And the angel says to him, okay, because, because you didn't believe, The promise is still going to happen, but you're going to be silent. You're going to be unable to talk until your son is born. And so we follow the story, and verse 23 through 25 says um, that when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And these days she, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So this is really the prequel to Mary's story. And again, if we, I'm reading this through the eyes of, of just the journey that we've all been through, and it really stuck out to me this time in reading um, the fact that Elizabeth went into seclusion for five months of this pregnancy. And I think we can all really relate to that right now, right? We can imagine what, what, what it's like for her to be withdrawn from the world, to really be in this place of silence and solitude. And um, it's also interesting to me to think about the fact that not only was she alone, but she's, she's living with a husband who can't talk nine months of no talking from her husband. That is a long time. I know there's some of us, probably my husband included, who sometimes wish that their spouse would just be very quiet for a while. Uh, but nine months is a long time, especially when you don't have phones, you don't have like social media. Um, so Mar- so Elizabeth rather was, was secluded and she was probably in a time of silence and um, and pondering, and I wonder, I wonder how much God began speaking to her during this time of silence, in this time of of qu- her own kind of quarantine. Recently, I was driving um, somewhere in my van, and my my um, a speaker, my the volume on my radio, just cut out entirely and I could not figure out why, it just would not work. And then eventually, a few days later, I got the volume to work, but only, it keeps cutting out, it's like intermittent. So it'll, uh, it'll play music for a few seconds and then silence. And then it'll play music for a few more seconds. And it's so annoying to me that I just can't, I can't do it, I, I, I can't listen to music right now. And so I was driving somewhere the other day and normally I would maybe pop some music on and, and be listening to that while I was driving. And I, I found myself instead just sitting in silence. And it was so amazing to me how I live we live in such an age of distractions where it's so easy to just have music, to have noise, to have um, you know our phones and distractions always right there at our fingertips, and how bizarre it is for me to sit in silence, and yet it was in that silence that I was able to to pray and spend time with God and um, and I, I think sometimes we need that. We need that space and that withdrawing and that silence for God to be able to speak to us. And maybe you've even felt that during this, this COVID season, this quarantine time. Um, has, has God been saying things to you as you've turned down the noise of other things in your life the busyness and the um, other distractions? And so I love that, that Elizabeth kind of is in this own quarantine season. And I, I wonder that, that God must have said some really amazing things to her during this time. Um, and yet this is where um, her story intersects with Mary. Um, the Bible says that Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy, and then that's when Mary gets this visit from the angel. And the angel again tells her, okay, your, your, your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. And as I said before, um, you know, Mary, she's getting this news and it, and, when you first find out you're pregnant with your with your first child that's it's usually such a time of excitement and joy and you want to just go and tell everybody the news right but i was thinking about this who would mary tell this news to like who, who could she possibly share this joy or this this burden with you know she could try to tell her parents like mom dad you know great news i'm pregnant oh no 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 don't be silly it's not joseph's baby well no no it's not not really any guy's baby actually it's like no like our, her parents are not going to believe that story right even even her husband joseph when he first found out he the bible says he had in mind to divorce her quietly which means he really didn't believe at first he didn't believe that the story was really true god had to reveal that to joseph later um and i'm, I'm thinking you know she maybe she had a friend who had been pregnant before but but probably not a friend who'd been pregnant while virgin um you know it's not like she could say oh Miriam, you know, that's who I should call. I'm pretty sure she had an immaculate conception a couple years back. Like, she'll totally get this, right? No, Mary, Mary has this, this burden and this joy, but no one would understand. No one probably would believe her story. No one except, except maybe a woman who conceived after menopause, maybe that person, Maybe that person would be able to understand her her journey and help her process and carry the joy and help her carry that hope. And so when the angel comes to Mary and tells her about this, this cousin, this relative of hers, who was pregnant, I don't think it's a side note. I don't think it's like, you know, a little divine, um, hey, newsletter from your family here. Um, I think the angel very intentionally gave her this this news because God knew that Mary needed someone to walk through this journey with her, to carry this hope with her. And I know this, I, I believe this partly because as soon as Mary finds out As soon as Mary finds out about Elizabeth, um, verse 39 says, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So she immediately, as soon as she hears this news, she's like, all right, I'm gonna go. I've gotta talk to somebody about this. Um, But the journey she takes to see Elizabeth is a little bit interesting. And it it brings me to a question I want you all to answer here, maybe in in the chat or with someone that you're sitting with today. How far would you go or have you gone to visit someone during the holiday season? Okay, COVID aside, I know right now no one's really traveling, but how far would you go to visit someone this Christmas? I grew up in a family that we traveled a lot for Christmas. So I used to live in Massachusetts and we would drive every year from Massachusetts down to Tennessee, and visit my dad's family there, and it was over 900 miles of drive one way, and then we would just stay in Tennessee for a little bit, and then we'd go to South Carolina on Christmas Day, and then we would drive all the way back home. Uh, So it was a very, very long trip. Uh, So that's probably the farthest I've gone. Um, But what's interesting to me is that, uh, you know, I I used to think that the story, when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, I used to think maybe just, you know, she just, Went down the block, visited Elizabeth down the road, but when I was researching this, it turns out that um, Mary went from Nazareth to um, Ein Karim, which scholars believe may have been, a, a, you know, around 80 miles away, and it could have been a dangerous journey. It could have been um, mountains, a rough terrain. And yet Mary is willing to take this trip. Mary is willing to go on this journey. And I have this map, hopefully, just to give you a little idea. Nazareth would be up there um, in red. And then there's a couple different possible routes that she may have taken to get to Elizabeth. But just to show you how far she traveled, um, again, because I believe she, she desperately needed hope. And she was willing to fight. She was willing to go on this tough journey to get to hope. And God gives her grace. And what I love is, is what happens next because when Mary, when Mary gets to Zechariah and Elizabeth's home, the Bible says she goes in and she greets Mary. Um, and if, if it were me, okay, I have a really hard time keeping a secret to myself. And so I feel like I would have walked in and been like, hey, Elizabeth, congratulations on your miracle. By the way, speaking of miracles, um, hypothetically speaking, what would you say if someone said that they were pregnant as a virgin? You know, asking for a friend, do your take on that. Um, I feel like I would have just not even been able to wait till I got through the door before I started sharing the news. But it just says that Mary greets Elizabeth. And what I love is that before Mary even has to have the awkward conversation, before she even has a chance to explain anything, Elizabeth um, speaks this prophecy over her. And so in Luke 1, 41 through 45, it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love that, that before Mary even says anything, that Elizabeth, through the Holy Spirit, speaks affirmation and encouragement to Mary. And basically she's saying, first of all, you're not crazy, Mary. What you heard from the angel is true. I'm, I'm going to confirm that for you because um, you need to know that. And, and this, is, this is a joyous moment, and I want to encourage you in that. And she offers Mary the safe place, the safe haven uh, for Mary to process both that joy and and the burden of of this the weight that she's carrying um and so it's such a gift elizabeth is such a gift to mary in fact i think that this moment is perhaps more powerful than i realized in this friendship and this um this gift that god gives mary through elizabeth um because it's it's immediately after elizabeth says this to mary that mary sings the song that we now know as the magnificat She says in Luke 1, 47 through 56, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the empty with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And you can almost see in Mary's song this, this rising of hope, this, you know, she had this moment of faith with the angel where she says, yes, may your word to me be fulfilled, um, And yet I believe that Elizabeth gives her a space where that that hope can grow, that hope can flourish. And um, if she was wavering at all, I believe that Elizabeth gives her this this courage and this confidence to walk fully in this mission that God has given her. Um, And yet it's a reciprocal thing, right? Elizabeth is giving this gift of space to Mary, and yet Mary is also bringing something to Elizabeth. Um, for one, okay, now Elizabeth has someone to talk to. That's a pretty good, pretty good thing for in my book. Um, but also, I mean, Elizabeth is is experiencing a pregnancy in her old age, and I think she must have been exhausted long before she was pregnant. So to have Mary there to give her company, to help, be an extra pair of hands. Um, I imagine that this was such a mutually life-giving thing between the two of them, that they were able to hold space for each other Elizabeth is Mary's safe place and her refuge, and Mary gets to give that back to her. They're kind of each other's safe people in the midst of this quarantine, and and maybe you can relate to that. I know I've had friends in this in this season that have been my my safe bubble, and I do not know what I would have done without those people, without without people that I knew were there for me in the middle of this this weird, crazy journey we've been going through. And maybe you've got those safe people too. Um, and I love that this story we can see a little differently now, um, and what they must have meant to each other. And so, verse 56 wraps up the story, and it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and returned home. And the Bible doesn't say, actually, if Mary stayed for the birth of John. I like to think that she stayed, you know, if this were a Hallmark movie, I feel like she would have been there for the baby's birth, and that would have been, you know, singing and something really cheesy, but um, we don't know for sure if she stayed that long. But she definitely got to stay with with Elizabeth during that trial, during the longest part of that pregnancy. Um, So I wanna talk about a few unexpected things that maybe we pull out of this story that that maybe we don't catch at first glance. And the first thing I wanna point out here is that hope doesn't go around suffering. It goes through suffering. Hope doesn't go around suffering. Hope goes through suffering. Um, in the story, there's, there's a lot of of difficult things going on. there's um there's a lot of painful things. We look at, um at Mary at Elizabeth's story, for instance, and and Elizabeth was was suffering most of her life. You know, this is why she says, "Now that God has given me a baby, He's taken away my disgrace," which means she likely spent many years feeling the disgrace of being a woman who couldn't who couldn't carry a child. Because in that time, you know, people might have assumed that that was a punishment that she wasn't able to carry a child because God was was punishing her, and that was not the case. Um, so she has this this rough wilderness beginning, and yet it's it's through that suffering that she experienced experiences that, that God sets the stage for this amazing miracle of hope, um, a miracle um, so extravagant that it was enough to give Mary hope as well. Um, and I really believe sometimes, you know, we, we look at hope and joy and peace and we think of them like these, these big, fluffy, happy things. And we just think of hope as something that's that's so amazing that it just pushes out every other negative thought and every other negative um emotion that we're having, and that is simply not the case. Um, in fact, I believe that when God calls us to hold hope, often, often it's going to cost us. We're going to walk through suffering, and that is not something that should surprise us, um, because God says that it's going to happen. In fact, Romans 5 um, verses 2 through 4 says this, we boast in the hope of the glory of God, but not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so suffering is is not uh, the death of hope, quite the opposite, because God is a subversive God and he can take something that looks like death. He can take something that looks as horrible as suffering and he can use it as a birthing ground for something as powerful as hope. Um, And so the hope that we have in Christ is powerful enough to go through suffering. In fact, I believe sometimes God uses that suffering to magnify his hope. Um so if you are walking through this season right now and you feel like you are going through such a difficult season and you're 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 wrestling and you're struggling and and um I get that, and we may be afraid, we may, we may feel like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me that I, that I don't feel this amazing sense of hope, but I want to just encourage you um, that maybe God is doing something, maybe God is growing a hope right now that you can't see in this season, but later on you're going to look back and say, that was when it started, that's when God planted that in me, and I would challenge you to, to um, and I even pray for you to have eyes to see the hope that God's planting in you right now, even in the suffering. Hope doesn't go around suffering. It goes through suffering. And because of that, because the journey is hard, the second thing I want to say is that sometimes we can't hold hope on our own. And we need to hold space for hope for each other. Sometimes we're just not strong enough to hold hope on our own. And and this is another myth that I, I think we believe in the church. I was talking to my brother about that this week. And a lot of times I think we grow up and we sort of think, you know, God's God's not going to give me more than I can handle, right? Like I'm, I'm just supposed to kind of grin and bear it. I'm not supposed to have burdens that I put on other people. I've got to hold this on myself. And I don't believe that's what we were designed for. We were not designed to walk this journey alone. When God made us, he made us for community. He made us for each other. He made us as the body of Christ, and we're called to carry each other's burdens. In fact, Hebrews 10, 23 through 24 says, let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We are not meant to walk this journey alone and there's times in our lives where we're going to feel too small too frail to hold hope by ourselves and maybe that's you today maybe you're just feeling like i am overwhelmed and the the journey is too hard and i don't know what to do and um i would just say to you who is someone that you can reach out to this week and just be honest be vulnerable say hey i i can't do it i need help um, and if you don't have someone, honestly, i would I'd be happy to talk with you. Um, you can even email me this week. my my email is uh, cber at cthope.com. Send me an email. i can I can talk with you. I can even find someone else who may be able to walk you through what you're going through. Um, another option is our prayer team. Every week after the service and even during the service, you can you can reach out for prayer. Uh, but when you come for the prayer team, and and join the Zoom time after the service. It's it's online and it's it's. Um an amazing group of people and they're gonna put you in a a, a room, a virtual room with just you and one or two other people. And that way you're able to pray um, confidentially and just have someone there to support you. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to that group of people for prayer and just um, like feeling empty and feeling lonely and feeling like I needed help. And they were there to give that to me. So I would challenge you to reach out, reach out to someone this week and, and let someone help you carry the burden and give you some hope when you're feeling too frail to hold it yourself. Um, maybe Maybe you don't feel strong enough this week to help other people, but maybe you do. Maybe this week God is saying, listen, I want you to notice people around you, people who may need hope, people that need a little extra refuge right now. And how can you be that for someone? Part of that, I think, is starting to pay attention to what people are saying. Listen to people's stories. Um, I think a lot of times people people aren't just gonna come out and say, I'm lonely, or wow, I'm struggling with my kids, or wow, I'm struggling with an addiction, but but sometimes they're gonna give you clues in what they're saying, and, and if we can be listeners, we can start to to hear what people are saying and and be a safe place for them to share. Um, but you don't always have to to be someone who's a talker. You know, I'm, I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, I don't know how to talk to people. If someone comes to me with a problem, I'm going to shut down and, and panic and run the other direction. Um, we hold space for each other in a variety of ways. Um, sometimes it's as simple as supporting someone. You know, um, they have a, a vision, a dream, a hope. Maybe you go to one of their soccer games. Maybe you uh, support their their musical dreams. Maybe you um, you know, buy, buy a book that they write. Um, there's, a, there's so many ways that we can support people and let them know in tangible ways that we're, that we're there for them. Um, I think of my good friend Irena, uh, who used to live in Croatia. Many of you actually probably have met her. We partner with um, I, their Youth for Christ Croatia uh, and we, um, so you may know Ruben and, and Arena and they're just wonderful people. And what they're doing is amazing. But Arena has become a good friend of mine. And one thing I love about her is when I take my trips down now, I, I like to go down and see my parents in Alabama. I'll drive with the kids and it's a long journey. And she always is a stopping point for me. She opens her home to me. So I'll drive several hours to her house and she makes food for us. And then she has this you know, a nice comfortable bed for us to stay in, and you know, a lot of times I'm only there for a night, but I have conversation, and then I wake up the next morning refreshed, and she gives me breakfast, and then I get to leave um, refreshed for the journey. And sometimes it's as simple as that, being um, hospitable for someone, you know, as, as, as a church right now, we're trying to, to have Christmas of hope and, and find ways that we can give back to people who just need a tangible reminder of hope. So think about that this week. How, is a, how are you able to hold space for hope for someone around you? Maybe in small ways. We aren't called to hold hope alone, we need to hold space for that for each other. And finally, hope produces more hope. And this is kind of the the most beautiful um, aspect of hope for me is that it, it's 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 constantly reproducing. It's constantly growing. Um, and I look at the story and, you know, both Elizabeth and Mary, both of their sons would go on to die, um, to die as, as young men, uh, really. Um, I don't know that Mary, that, sorry, I don't know that Elizabeth lived long enough to, to witness her son's death, but, but John the Baptist ends up being beheaded. And obviously, as we know, Jesus would one day walk the road of suffering, holding onto our hope for us, and he would die on the cross for our sins to give us hope to be our light because he loved us so much. Um, And what's interesting to me is that Mary, Mary actually witnesses this whole thing. Not only does she she carry this baby and deliver this baby, um, and then then not only is she the mother to Jesus and watch him grow, um, but then she watches her son die on a cross. And yet Mary never walked away. In fact, Mary is, is included among the early believers in the book of Acts who are waiting for the Holy Spirit, who prayed together and began the first church. Mary was there until the very end. In fact, Mary was so, um, she so believed in the hope of Jesus that she wanted to see that hope spread to everyone else she was She was determined to be part of spreading that hope. And I, I wonder, I look back, and I, I wonder how significant that moment with Elizabeth really was and and just how much the trajectory of her story was impacted by that by that person who held space for her, who gave her hope and allowed her um, to find strength and to grow in her faith in God, so that she could go through that journey of suffering, to go through that difficult and costly journey and still believe on the other side. And I love that um, Elizabeth's hope became a fruit that that then Mary experienced. And Mary's hope helps birth, birth this hope through Jesus. And the whole world now is feeling the fruit of the hope that began with those two women. And it's such a beautiful thing. And so I wanna open our bags now and I wanna explain a little bit about what this is. When you open your bag, Drum roll, you are going to find, hopefully, a little little potted soil here and a tiny piece of paper that says hope on the front. And um, my seed pack, I don't know if they're all the same, but this one has parsley, basil, and chives. That's a surprise to me, I didn't know that. So what's gonna happen is you are going to place this paper um, it has the seeds in it, so you will actually plant this in your soil and then water it, and you're going to hopefully have a plant eventually that will grow from this. Um, and as you as you have this in your home, I want this to be a reminder to you of what we've talked about in this message today. First of all, um, that that hope comes through suffering. Sometimes hope comes through the unlikely um the unlikeliest of places, and when we plant this seed, it looks like death, right? It's like we're, we're burying this thing in the ground, and it, it doesn't seem like anything good could come of that. And yet, God takes this, just like the seeds that we're planting, and He He allows this this dirt, this soil, to be the the fertile ground for hope to grow. And so, you're going to plant your seed, and then and then you're going to water it, and you're going to cultivate it. And I want that to be a reminder to you of how we're meant to hold space for others. We're meant to cultivate hope in others and allow them into our lives to help cultivate hope in us because we need each other. And when we're small like this, you know, when a plant is outside, we don't leave a plant outside in the winter or or when it's really windy. Um, When a plant is too small, it can't survive that kind of, of strong wind and adversity but it needs shelter. It needs a place to grow. And so we can be that for each other. And so I hope this reminds you of that. And finally, um, as your plant hopefully develops um, um, fruit or you know, in this case, vegetables um, or, or herbs, what, the, what, what the, the fruit of what grows from this plant, I, I hope that will be a reminder to you of the way that hope reproduces, the way that as you cultivate hope and as, as others do that for you, that it really it's reproducing and it's multiplying and it's causing hope to be spread um, so, far, so much farther than we realize. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that, um, that God continues to speak um, really unexpected but beautiful truths to you as you walk with him this week. God, thank you so much um, for what you're doing in Hope Church. I pray over the people right now, especially who are lonely, who are feeling um, weak and unable to hold hope for themselves. God, I ask that they would be able to reach out. I ask that you would put people in their lives so that they can tangibly feel you and your presence this week and know that they're not alone and know that you love them deeply. And God, I pray for each of us as well, that you would show us, give us eyes to see see hope and to, to call out hope in other people and to help cultivate that. Um, I ask that we would be people of hope just as you were, God. Um, And we pray this in your name. Amen.